There's hardly no day, nor hardly no night. There's things half in shadows and half ways in light. On the rooftops of London. Ooh, what a sight. Oh, you're a sweep now, are you? Best view in the world, eh? And who gets to see it? The birds, the stars, and the chimney sweeps. It's showtime. Welcome to our show, Celebrating Love of All Things Musical. And today, it, it's all about Mary Poppins. Alright, so before we start, let me tell you a little bit about our show. The magical story of the world's favourite nanny is triumphantly spectacularly brought to the stage with dazzling choreography, incredible effects and unforgettable songs. The stage production of Mary Poppins is fully adapted from the wonderful stories by P.L. Travers and the original film. It is co-created by Cameron McIntosh and a book by Oscar-winning screenwriter and Downton Abbey creator Julian Fellows. With a timeless score by Richard M. Sherman and Robert V. Sherman, Including the classic songs Jolly Holiday, Step in Time, Supercar, Bradshaw's and Feed the Birds with new songs and additional music and lyrics, including Practically Perfect by the Olivia Wall with a British team of George Styles and Anthony Drew. Our principal cast are Mary Poppins, Bert, George Banks, Winifred Banks. Jane Banks, Michael Banks, Miss Andrew, Birdwoman, Miss Brill, Robertson I, Mrs. Corrie, Parkkeeper, Admiral Boom, Bank Chairman, Miss Lark, Nellis, Ballantyne, Kate Nana, Northbrook, Bon Hossier, and the Policeman. Okay, so right start talking a little about uh, the show. And what I think I really, really like is how it really, really differentiates from the actual uh, source material. Because um, with a lot of stage musical adaptations, most of them, you know, we do see them, you know, literally adapt the source material to the letter. And you get a little additional music, get additional songs, you know, to help, you know, boost it up, obviously. You've got at least a two-hour show. You've got to try and fill for. But what I love is how it's not a complete direct adaptation of the uh, the Disney film, um, but it also um, features elements you know from the film and the books. Because um, <clears throat> we've all either seen we, we've we've all seen with Mary Poppins. We've, we've all seen either the film or we've read the books. I've only ever seen the film. And of course, Mary Poppins Return in 2018. I've not read any of the books, so I'm only familiar with the film. Um, but what's great is that actually you've got the combination of the two sort of materials. You bring them together, and you get an overall. Um, you get to see. Um, there are a couple of little tweaks though. Um, I mean, the dancing penguins. No, don't you have in Johnny Holiday? Um, at the tea party on the ceiling at Uncle Albert's, um, unfortunately, um, get removed. That's probably due to the ability you know, to make things float on 
on the stage and everything. Uh, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> um, and also we have some other characters um, from the books, like for example, Nellis um, comes to life in a musical, but obviously not seen the film. You've also got Mrs. Corrie and her daughters who have a cameo in the film. I mean the musical and the books, and there are many elements from the books that do not um, appear in the film or or musicals such as uh, Nellie, Ravina and the ballroom woman. So, so you get a combination of two or two sorts of children, which is really, which I think is really really lovely. It just makes it even more better. So, um, so, so it kind of feels like you are watching a completely new musical. You know, it's, you know it's adapted from you know, a well known sort of You still so that you're watching something literally completely new. Um, and also the musical actually places a lot more emphasis on the on the children, you know, Jane and Michael being uh, naughty and their parents being really dysfunctional um, to heighten um, the drama. I, I'm loving that. Because I don't think in the, cause do we in the film, do we really see the, see the kids become absolute terrors and, which would warrant an nanny? I don't know if we do. So I love how here in the musical you get to see more emphasis of that. Um, like just you know it's the height of the drama but it's still a little bit, little bit like how yeah you know, Jane and Michael are constantly you know answering back they're fighting <laughs> um which of course even creates a new sequence where obviously the children's toys all obviously come to life and sort of berate them in that song playing the game which is a really great a really 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 uh great See how to have the toys like fight back. It kind of harks to you know what Woody does in Toy Story, but that's because it's pretty just to literally <laughs> give those two children a taste of their own medicine. <laughs> also, um, this, a sequence um, originally titled "Temper Temper" was inspired from a chapter in the books of the title "Bad Wednesday," um, and also George Banks expanded from the film, which is. Which is really good to see because in the musical ability he's had like a difficult childhood, which he was ignored by his parents. Um, so I'm glad to see his character done get um, a bit more there. Um, <laughs> oh, and of course we also see his nanny in in in, in the musical because obviously his nanny, Miss Andrews, is a character from the books and makes an appearance in the musical. It's got the complete polar opposite to me. Oh, Papa, it's absolutely complete. I mean, you could not compare. The two couldn't be more different than, than you would think. Uh, Winifred is, is no longer the suffragette from the film. She's more of a former actress who's struggling to fulfil her husband's expectations. Of her. No, I think I prefer her as a suffragette. But, uh, so it's, and um, the character and the maid. Um, in the film was cut entirely and so a new character called Miss Smith was created to introduce uh, the bank chairman. That's what Boo uh, does not blow the cannon making the house shake he does in the film. So bits of so bits that are well known from the film don't don't quite make it but what is quite nice is how they um they um stay um well, not they get checked, they get sort of you adapt to the quite really, and you have the better time more. Now, also, quite a lot of num musical number sequences, um, they also got modified because I really, another thing I really love is the music. I mean, the combination of the t of the songs from the film combined with the new mu songs, I think, is really, really great. We'll talk about those in a bit detail later on. Um, yes, yeah, so 
Okay, um, so, so you had the classic songs by obviously from the Sherman Brothers, like Charlie Holiday, Step in Tide, Super Cat Patrick, The Oceans. Um, we've also got some new songs and additional music. Um, you know, written by some, uh, um, the Olivia Award-winning British team of George Charles and Anthony Drew. I think some of those new music numbers are brilliant. But what's quite interesting about some of the songs that originally from the film is um, they kind of get modified from the purpose in the film, um, which I'm not really, which I really don't really quite like at all. I mean, I because uh, I remember watching it thinking, oh my, and particularly I don't think you really notice it until you get to Super Cabaret Let's Get Adocious. I go, oh, hang on, no, that, that's not how I remember it in the film. Um, so yeah, so Spoonful of Sugar, Super Cabaret Let's Get Adocious, Feed the Birds, Let's Go Fly, Kite, they all have um, adaptations. I'll talk more of those in detail when we come to the musical numbers, so I can show you more about my, um, but I didn't quite like the adapting them a bit. I mean, if it was different characters in the fair dudes, because obviously you have to have that then shake it up. But no, I just didn't really kind of, kind of quite like, quite like that at all. Um, yeah, I mean, I just, mm, I would have preferred if you had the numbers from the for the film in the musical as they were in the film, and then you add. The, num the, the musical numbers written for the musical, and you blend the two together, and it would work really well. Because some of the songs are quite pretty, pretty. Some of the new numbers written for the musical, they are quite good as a whole. Um, and obviously, what's also great, you got some young, well-known characters there. So you got Mary Poppins, you got Bert, you've got the Banks family. Um, you got some additional new characters, which is brilliant. And I think what's interesting, the characters are from the film. Um, your opinions on them are changed. I'm going to talk much more in the cat. Section um, later on, but I do feel that yeah, the personalities of them really do uh, uh, kind of differ. So you had a so you had a particular opinion on one of them in the, in the, from the, the film. Well, that when you see the musical, it, it sort of really changes, and I think that's really brilliant. Um, which is going to help the character section later on. Cause remember, character section for the musical adaptation, we always have to refer to them, their roles in the musical, not from the original material. So that's going to be really handy later on. But yeah, I think it's pretty how you literally just sort. Of, some of, your, some of the characters, you actually, your opinion actually changes a lot, which gives you a new perspective on the whole. Um, also, I think the scenery looks amazing, the, cost, you know, the costumes are brilliant, but there's one thing I need to uh, need to point out, and what I really, really love is, now this probably is going to be a little bit of a, spo a spoiler, if you're not, if you're not already um, have seen the musical, but I'm going to mention it anyway. Um, one of the things I really, 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 really love, and it comes at the very, very end of the show, it's at the very, very, very end, is where you have uh, Mary Poppins literally fly out into the audience. That is just absolutely brilliant. I love it. It's absolutely brilliant. How did I manage to have a do it without you seeing like ropes or wires, that is just absolutely uh, brilliant. I know that might be a little bit of a spoiler for those of you who have not already um, seen it, but honestly, it's absolutely just brilliant. And you, you obviously you're sat there, you're waiting for that, for that moment. Because we all know how enough of this was to see Mary does fly in the film, so you're thinking, hmm, she's not doing the musical yet. Is she going to do it? She's not going to do it? Because that's the one sort of main iconic thing you remember from Mary Poppins is that Mary can fly. And so literally, it happens right at the end where you literally do not expect it. It's absolutely 
uh, Brie, yeah, I really love that. That is my literally favourite thing from her always. Literally, right at the end, end, end of the show, she literally flies high above the audience, and you're literally just like open mouth, like, because, <sighs> like, how is that happening? Because I don't think you can really see the ropes properly or not, because obviously, it probably would be done by ropes, but I don't think you really see them at all. Also, that is absolutely brilliant. That is literally one of my favourite things uh, from the show. That might be a little spoiler warning for those who have not seen it, but I could not not talk about, uh, in this segment about the things I love without mentioning that. I think it's absolutely, um, I think that's absolutely brilliant. So it literally is, I mean, it's definitely worth the wait, you know, it's you know, at the very end of the show, it's absolutely brilliant. So, yeah, so that's one of my literally. Things. So the whole thing is a very interesting, interesting um, musical of Disney, of Disney classics. Because some of the some of these classic musicals, they just literally just be like an adaptation and help to develop the characters a bit more, grow them a bit more, add in new musical numbers. But Mary Poppins, it's interesting because you've got, because um, like I said, it's it's taking bits that work from the from, from the film and putting in things from the books to get together. And it's like, I think it's really amazing because if you like me, you've only familiar with one and not the other. So it's like me, you've only ever seen Mary Poppins the film, you've not read the books. It's interesting because the other things, ooh, 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 okay. And it's literally something new to, new to see, it's like, ooh, wow. Um, but if you have read the books as well, watch the book, you, you, you can watch the big, ah, oh, yeah, I remember that character, I remember that one, oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, she was a terror. Yeah, so, yeah, so there's a lot of differences in from the, and they make it work together, it actually kind of works brilliantly. Um, although, I think we all would have loved the Jolly Hardy sequence to have been as it was in the, Film, wouldn't we? Yeah, we would have. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but the musical is, it, itself is absolutely quite brilliant. And we're going to talk more about the music and the de- uh, those adaptations in the musical number section because um, I can help explain if I would like them or not, and it might tinder my choices for favourite musical numbers later on. But um, we'll get to that when we get to it. And um, the cat, what I love about the cat, about when it comes to the characters, is for those that are from the film. This musical really helps you to change your opinion of them. Um, I won't say who because I'll leave it to the character section. Um, but yeah, so if like before you see the you want to have an idea, oh, I'm not sure about the character. Well, actually, if you go and watch after you come up to music, your opinion just it just changes. It's absolutely brilliant. So yeah, so oh, oh it's a love musical. And like I say, that bit at the end is the bit you want to wait for when she literally very positively flies across the whole audience. That is literally just like the best bit. That's one of my favorite bits of it. And that's probably a spoiler, but I'm got. But I could not do a what I like section without mentioning that bit because I've been like, and that is absolutely, literally brilliant. That is really, really brilliant. Where Hushity flies for the audience, again, that is absolutely the best bit of it. That really is. And on to the musical numbers now. And oh my god, there's loads of them. <laughs> I don't remember there being that many in the, in the, in the musical. It's got about as many as Hamilton. Oh my lord, right, okay. I think what we'll have to do is we'll have to do it like we did with Hamilton. I'll list them all from each act and just talk about a couple. Yeah, we'll do it that way. So, act one, um, a lot of these are probably Bert's narrations. That's probably why there's so many. Uh, you got Jim Jimmery, Cherry Tree Lane Part 1, The Perfect Nanny, Cherry Tree Lane Part 2, Practically perfect. Chim Chimmery, Chim Chim Tree, all my own work. Jolly Holiday. 
Cherry Tree Lane Reprise. Being Mrs. Banks. Jolly Harder Reprise. Chim Chimbery Chim Chim Tree Winds Do Change. <laughs> Spoonful of Sugar. Precision and Order. A Man Has Dreams. Feed the Birds. Supercar Fantasy Gets Better. Delicious. Temper uh, playing the game, sorry, sorry, playing the game, and then you finish off that one with a chim chimery reprise. Oh my lord, a lot of them. There are a lot of them. Oh, also I mentioned earlier on in I with the in the what I like phase. I did met not phase, so the, the what I like bit segment. I mentioned how some of these songs featured in the film had been adapted. I wanted to talk about them and see how. You know, so I'll bring that up now. Tell me with them. So give me two seconds. Got it, right, okay. Like I say, just, we'll just talk about select few for each one because we're going to be here all night. Oh my god, I don't remember being that many in the film when I watched it. Right, right so yeah. Um, I'll say the Chim Chim Re Chim Chim because there's a few, because I believe there is a few, there, is, there, are, there, are, there are a few more in the second act so we can talk about as a whole. Um, practically perfect. Um, I really, really love Practically Perfect. I think for me, it's the one number that for me stands out the most. Um, basically, it's Mary Poppins, you know, describe, describing her herself uh, um, to obviously the children, um, Jane and Michael, <laughs> when we have them. Um, yeah, you know, well, she's done those measurements of them, and it's describes their personalities, and they're all quite shocked about it. And obviously, you then get Mary Poppins does her, her as well, sort of, and then goes and how, then it goes and straight to the song and how she, she talks about how she's practically perfect and everything, single way. Um, well, I kind of love it. It's not done in like a Burke's boasting thing. It's not done both splits them, you know, kind of proper and um, prim and quite mus musical. Um, but just me, it just sticks out the one out the most, uh, which I, re and I, think I really do quite do like it. Um, yeah, so. That's <laughs> me. That's what kind of stings. Sorry, sticks out the most. Um, I remember the most in my head, which will come a little bit earlier, but yeah, it's absolutely a beautiful number. I really love it. Um, yeah, of course, that's one of the songs that's written for the musical, and it's, um, yeah, really done in, you know, Mary Poppins describing herself, her goal to help shape Jane and Michael for the better. Um, as well, so yes, it's a brilliant number, just quite, I really do love it. Okay, let's move next up. We will discuss Jolly Holiday. Now, Jolly Holiday uh, in the musical is done a little bit differently because um, we don't have the penguins. No, we've not. We've not got the penguins. <laughs> Isn't that the one thing that makes Jolly Hardy and iconic in the film because of the penguins? Because of the um, because of the uh, 
bang with nerving, but unfortunately, um, they're not in there. They're not in, not in the, the number. Instead, you've got um, well, the park statues that gets because it takes place in the park. This the number. This number in the middle. It takes place in the park, and instead, you've got more well, the statues. Um, so. Um, <laughs> Yes, so unfortunately, the darting penguins, um, not in. That's probably likely due to the fact that you can't make things uh, float on stage. Um, they got removed. Um, <laughs> and so, in instead, you have um, Neelus, who's the statue, and he comes to life instead. And um, there's a, a place a bit in, the, in, in that number instead. Basically, acts as the replacement of the penguins, but... Um, doesn't feel the same, does it? No, no. <laughs> I think it kind of works. You know, they make do with what they've got. But I think a lot of them know it doesn't really work because the penguins aren't there. But, oh well. Oh, do you know? Right. Uh... <laughs> Be Mrs. Bangs next. Oh, awesome. I love how this is probably a pretty tough at home. Song. It kind of feels like one well, of those laments, you know, when the, when the characters when the characters being down and miserable and trouble. But I think it's quite brilliant because it shows the emotional side to everybody and shows how she's she's struggling, you know, trying to play the, this role as medium and trying to lure it to her husband. Take her side. That's quite a nice, nice song there. A spoonful of sugar. This is all, this was one of my fa favorites from the film actually. Uh, it's a bit like how we're practically perfect. It's it's one of those, it's, it's one of those songs, but she um always sticks out and I can just go. She's like, now this was more five, but um, for from the film. Now originally, of course, this was sung when Mary first arrived at the bank's home. It got moved to a completely new sequence later in the show, where the children were made to destroy the bank's kitchens. Mary helps them fix it. Um, it also is referenced to in uh, part two of Brimstone and Treacle and featured briefly as a reprise in the finale. Um, kind of actually works though. It kind of actually works because in the musical it gives you a scenario for where this song can, can come, in to come in, you know, because they've just... <sighs> they've just had the disaster of the kitchen. Robertson eyes down the job. Not sure we song either sleep, unconscious, or dead. Just give me a quick prod. No, he's alive. He's alive. <laughs> Just unconscious. <laughs> uh. <laughs> uh. Yeah, but well, look, but yeah, so, even, so no, uh, so yeah, it's actually what love how the music actually gives a scenario of where this song can actually come in and actually and, and just shine. But yeah, it's one of my favorites from the. Um, from the from film, precision and order. It's a very good number for you know for ensemble, and it basically helps you to introduce you know to uh, the bang because we're setting into going into that that scene and also seeing George at work. <laughs> Feed the birds. Um, we all know what that from the uh, the icon uh, from the um, from the film. Of course, that's a bird woman's lone number. Now, originally, this was sung by Mary before the Bangs children visit their father's workplace in the film. But in the musical, it got moved to after they have their visit, 
and gets now sung as a duet between Mary and the Bird Woman. Which I think is quite nice. I think it's quite quite nice those two sort of scenes together. The harmonies work really. Um, and then later on that we have a reprise um during the scene where George walks to the bank. Um that still occurs, um, but it omits the film's memorable dramatic suggestion that the bird woman had died so instead a reformed draw shares a joyous moment with her yes because in the film she died <laughs> which was an old woman living Paris and homeless so well, it was going to happen eventually but no but no in the musical that does not happen instead George gets alive so no, no, yeah <laughs> I think that's all I can talk about from that one. Oh no one more one more before we go on to that too plain Playing the game. This was a brilliant number. Um, this is where the toys, children's toys, come to life and basically just give Jake the little terrors. Remember, it's podcast. Can't go too rude. Basically, gives the little terrors what they rightly deserve. A taste of their own darn medicine. <laughs> but uh, it is quite a spooky on number. It's quite, it's quite Halloween scary. But I think it actually works brilliantly in there. Really, it really works quite brilliantly. Okay, so oh, yes. Favourites before we on that too. Just need to quickly choose my favourites from this first act. As we always do. So act one. Uh, I think I'll just pick a, a, variety, a couple from each one. What do? Okay, so act one I'm going to choose practically perfect. Um, Oh no, sorry, not all super carbonated. Oh god, I'm getting ahead of myself, aren't we? Sorry. We've got one more to do. I want to talk about that, of course, from Act 1. That, of course, is super carbonated. It's very delicious. Although, I did not like the musicals burnt a bit. Now, originally, I mean, uh, this gets sung during the park outing in the film. But in the musical, it got moved to Mrs. Corrie's sweet shop outing. It's also um, sung when George goes to his workplace during the opening and happen sequence. And during the curtain call. The song itself is also distinctly different. Um, as the word is spelled. Both vocally and physically. And the lyrics are completely different. I wasn't too big of a fan of this. And, then, this. and I remember when I saw the first thing. What's this? What's happening? I don't remember it. So, that's, so yeah. So, well, so I preferred the film's version rather than this. So that's probably why I was so keen to skip it. Move it on ahead. <laughs> right. Now we can pick Faith from that one. So, okay. So. Whoopsie! Correct! Oh dear! Here I did! Alright, so there's that one. Practically perfect. A spoonful of sugar. And... You know what? I'm also going to have playing the game. There you go. So it's free. We want to Act 2. So Act 2, we have another reprise of Cherry Tree Lane. Brimstone Treacle Part 1. Let's go fly a kite. Good for nothing. Mrs. Banks reprise, Brimstone Treacle Part 2, Practically Perfect reprise, uh, Chim Chimmy Chim Chimmery reprise, Step in Time, Step in Time reprise, A Man Has Dreams reprise, oh there's a lot, it's act, act 2 is basically just four reprises, Spoonful of Sugar reprise, Everything Can Happen Part 1, Feed the Birds reprise, Precision and Order reprise, Supercar Bachelor Theodosius reprise, Epic and Happen Part 2, Spoonful of Sugar Reprise, and a shooting star. 
Although the shittiest dance is also his orchestra, which is played when has Mary's flying, so. <laughs> yeah, oh my god. Right, so there's a lot of <laughs> Oh my god! It's like Beauty and the Beast all over again! Okay, right, let's do our best. Ah! Well, let's start with obviously Miss Andrew and her diabolical number, Brimstone and Treacle. So, part one. Now, actually, can talk about both parts separately because they're both different different numbers. Because part one is basically her arrival, and part two is like the showdown with Mary. So, yeah, so part one. What's brilliant about part one is the treacle is where. Oh my god. It's like the villain's moment they get, so it's just. In film TV, it's just, oh my god, but as she's singing, it's just absolutely haunting. It's scary. It just makes you want to. Oh, no, I want to go. Do you want to sort of. You know, curl up in your seat and be like, oh, I want to go home now. It's like, oh, it's just, uh. It's quite haunting, and obviously, it's just, oh, I know she does. That is, oh my god. Oh. Literally, there's someone she literally lives up to exactly how Draught had been describing her before her appearance. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Right, I'll come back to um, part two in a moment. I want to do Let's Go Fly Kite. Before that, uh, now of course this is done very differently to what it was in the film. Because uh, obviously in the film, it's the finale of the film. You know that song, "Let's Go Fly Kite." It's the finale, of course, it's sung by the whole Banks family in the film. Here, it gets moved to near the beginning of Act Two, and it's sung by Bert and the Banks children. I actually prefer it this way because it gives the children opportunities to. Spend some time with Bert um, and develop that friendship with, with Bert. So I think that actually works a little bit better than it was in the film. Yes, I actually quite prefer it done that way. Then, after, you know, we have Good for Nothing um, and a reprise from Beam's Banks, then we come to part two of Brimstone and Treacle. It's basically your nanny fight. <laughs> Yeah, again, podcast, can't say what I want to actually say, okay? <laughs> can't do it. But the older viewers know what I mean. <laughs> it's just it's just showdown. It's a, now, so that's why I can actually talk about it rather than just pass up as a priest. It's not really a priest, it's actually a part two. Um, and oh my, do these two literally just go for it head to head? But of course, you're not going to beat Mary Poppins and a spoonful of sugar. <laughs> but well, look at how literally you got these two guys are literally going at each other, and it's just absolutely, absolutely brilliant to watch. It's how all fights should be, fights should be, uh, should be dealt dealt with, not with blood and gore, with with a bit of lights, camera, maestro, and vocals. Go. That's how it should be done, folks. That's how it should be done. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Just go. <laughs> <laughs> Which they, uh... <laughs> Which they um, really do um, give Miss Andrew a taste of her own needed medicine. Um, and, uh, bashes. And then what's really, really, then what's really, really funny about that is how Winifred and George then come back like, Ooh, Mary Poppins, what are you doing here? 
It gets, it gets a little bit awkward! <laughs> Whereas I'm thinking, she got rid of the evil hat. Shut up, say thank you! <laughs> I know, but I always watch it, I think that's quite funny, because like, literally the two, the, the, Mr. Bill is like, Oh, Mary Poppins, what are you doing here again? I thought, it's always awkward, so I just, where is it, where is it, but where is it, she's taking just say thank you. She got rid of the old hag. Problem solved. Pretend it never happened. Even though you were, even though we're afraid you were the one who brought the evil hag in the first place. But pretend it never happened. Just say she got rid of the hag. Just say thank you. <laughs> All right, we'll move on. We'll move on. Uh, right. I think the only other number I can talk about from Act Two, because, like I say, it's a Act 4 of a breezes. I think the number from Act 2 that I can talk about in detail, I think has to, it's going to be stepping time, and that probably will be it. So yeah, not skipping any on purpose, I know that probably will definitely be it. So stepping time. I actually prefer it in the musical they do in the film. Yeah, I do. It's, again, like, like with Let's Go Fly Kite, I prefer how it's done in the musical than it is in the film. In the film it's very, very upbeat, very fast and everything, but what I love about the musical is how this is Bert's number to shine. He literally, literally does shine this number. Um, uh, what I, you know, and what I love is how, actually, it starts off quite, it kind of builds up. So it starts off quite slow at first, and eventually it's, you know, it's, it builds up bit by bit by bit. Eventually the pace picks up, the tone picks up, it's, up, up, it's absolutely brilliant number. But Bert, as a whole in that number, he's absolutely brilliant it and that is for me why i love it more in the musical doing the film absolutely it's, it's literally just burst number yeah obviously you've got mary poppins the children as well and the sweeps doing it but burke kind of literally takes over as a whole okay so i'll pick my first one that too then i'll do the chimney chimney reads as, as a whole uh so my first one that too now this will be tricky because there's a lot of different breezes <laughs> Oh dear Lord, help me. Right, okay. Um, okay. Famous from Act 2. Let's go fly a kite. Step in time. Have to. Have to stop them. Um, and you know what? This is this is this is weird. This is and oh, this is this is going to shock you. Not even and it's going to even shock me because because before we hit the record, I don't think I would have said it. But having talked about it, I think I'm also going to take with me for this act. Brimstone and Treacle Part Two. Because what I really love it, it's literally just the two nice literally just going ass each other. So I'm going to have them as my favourites. So that's my first from the musical numbers. Now, we're going to quickly go through the Chim Chim as a whole. Because with Chim 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 it's not song as long it, uh, as, as it's done in the, in, the, in the film. It's more like a baseline for Bert to pop in every now and then and sort of help and push the duration on. Which I think are absolutely beautiful. So he does quite a few of those. Obviously, he does the first... He starts off the whole show with Chim 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 Then later on, he has uh, all me own work. Then he, he has Winds Do Change. Then you've got Twists and, and Turns. And then there's like a little reprise in about one. Then that too, it's just reprises. But still, 
he does have narrations, but yeah. So I think I love this as a whole because it makes Bert feel more wise and more wisdom than he than he than he was in the film. And it, it's just and hearing the mer that Merdy, you know, to read that Merdy, you know, the. That's such a few on Merdy, so it doesn't get tear up and stars. But yes, yeah, so there was a whole. They're really, 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 but unfortunately they weren't more one number, so we couldn't really talk about it in detail, but yeah, but as a whole, that's really, really lovely, and it's great narration to have uh, throughout, the, throughout the, uh, the musical, and it just makes Bert an even better character. Alright, on to the characters now, as always, whenever we do um, musicals that are based on adaptations, we always have to reiterate that we're talking about my favourite characters from the show, not from the original source material. And trust me, if we're doing it from the original source material, then the person who I am going to choose my favourite would not be my favourite. That's give you a little hint on who it's going to be. Okay, so we'll get we'll get straight into it, and we'll go through uh, some of the characters. Um, we've got a long list of characters, haven't we? Uh, <laughs> So what? Let's stick to the major characters. Now, I didn't mention in the um, at the very beginning here you know, when I was talking about what I loved about the show. I did mention how what's brilliant about this this musical is that for some of the characters, they are done completely different compared to what they were in the film, and it gives you a new you know, a, a new perception a new, of them. You know. Some kind of thing, oh, I found them irritating. Actually, think, oh, actually, not so much. Um, and that falls to a lot of the main characters themselves. So, uh, the Banks family and Bert are prime examples that I can think of. Uh, um, so, I'll do the children first, actually. I'll do Jane and Michael first. So, we've got obviously, we've got uh. Jane, the eldest of the two, um, you know, she's very messy, um, she's always got such a bad temper, I mean, oh my god, literally throughout the whole, so her temper is just here, then, it's just, oh my god, she's just, is, is there ever a moment where she isn't moody, oh my lord, uh, no, she's so bad tempered throughout, and also you got Michael, you know, who is very mischievous, um, Plays pranks on the nannies, um, doesn't follow the rules, um, can be a bit narky from time to time, a little bit, a bit downright rude, um, because uh, he's always attention, he's attention, attention seeking, um, that's probably maybe called his behaviour. Um, what I think is quite interesting uh, is that in the musical, these two are complete, utter terrors. They weren't that bad in the film. They weren't that in the film. They weren't really that mischievous. They weren't downright rude or circle or naughty. But what I do love is how the musical has put more emphasis on the children, Jane and Michael, being more being extremely naughty. Um, as it just shows how they really need to be uh, need a nanny. It just shows because they're just constantly fighting. They're always answering back for. To the, to the adults, and they're not really having, you know, respect for lover. So what I really love is how then when we have the, um, the playing the game number, I love it because that is just the to be toys just going to rebel. It's like, right, 
You've been like this for oh, you've been treating us for this like this badly for so many years. Now it's our turn. Now see how you like it. <laughs> I mean, it's a quite haunting as going number, but I love how for Jay Michael, it's a taste of your own message. You're going to be, hey, this narky, this sassy, this rude, this this aggressive. Then we're going to fire it back on you. <laughs> um, yeah, so so I do love to see more emphasis with. With them on them. Now with George, who I'll do next. Uh, I'll do the Banks family first, then we'll go back to the other characters. So I'll do George next. So he, of course, the far, father of the house. There we go. Father of the house. You know, um, grew up obviously a very strict and stern household, which he tries to reflect that back onto his own family. Um, he mentions he hardly ever saw his parents, um, who did not believe in PDAs. <laughs> well, I think most people still don't agree with that. Even even now, here in here in twenty twenty, T's Britain, they don't even or twenty twenty first century life. We don't even agree with that now either. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, obviously he works at the bank, um, um and he. I just had a nanny, you know, Miss Andrew, as a child. He was shivers, a very um, mention of her. Um, he's always off the way at work, spends very little time with the, with the family. Um, and what is really great, though, as, as we move on, he learns lessons about being more affectionate to his family. He's taught that there are more important things than work. Um, and actually, what's quite interesting, though, in the film, he was only supposed to be a supporting character. But what I love about here in the musical is, a bit like with Belle's father and with Be the Beast, they expand his role, so which is very, very good. And he also gets to have a couple of musical numbers as well. As well. But what I really, really love is how, with the musical, is they have, with George, they have, um, they have just, hold on, let me find it. Bit of a second. <laughs> I mean, I just love how they managed to expand his role just a little bit for further. I just, but um, because even though we do see more emphasis placed on the family being very dis dysfunctional, um, I do love how they they um expanded his role. Um, you know. And going into his childhood, so like how being how he had a very difficult childhood, um, his family would hardly play spend time with him. Uh, um, say his own nanny. So they expand his role to make him more relatable, a bit more understanding about why he behaves the way he he is. It's just not just because not really. It's just no, there's a there's a backstory. It's it. Well, the music actually gives George a backstory that the film really didn't. Um, that's because obviously the film is a supporting role. And same for um, his um, his wife, um, Winifred. Um, now, she is presented as a society woman. But, um, but here's a big big difference between, between the film and the musical. In the film, she is, of course, uh, a suffragette and was involved in many social causes for activism. Um, which was quite bold and outrageous given the time period of 
of the film setting. And I thought that was great. Loved that in the film. She's, she's her own independent, strong woman. How in the musical, and this is what I don't really quite like, in the musical, um, she goes from being that strong, self-centered woman to just your typical, stereotypical woman from the times, um, where she gives up her work. She, um, in the me, in the musical, um, we it, it turns out that she was a former act, actress, gave up her work to become a mar, um, you know, a married woman, and have the children, um. And she's got just, it's always like she's like an empty shell in the way. It's like, she's just struggling to try to fulfil her husband's expectations of her. And I don't really quite like that because she's been made like a bit more sen- uh, empty shell. Whereas in the film she was a brilliant character and that's just sort of been reduced to nothing there. Okay, so that's the Banks family as a whole. I'll come back to Bert later on towards the end. I'll talk to you here and Mary Poppins for the end. So I'll come back to Bert because he was another character that, that, that my perception has changed on. But I'll come back to him in a, in a, in a moment. Okay, who should we do next? Let's see. Uh, who are we going to do? do next? Uh, mm-hmm. We might do the maid next. Let's double check her name. Made lost of it is now. Uh, hmm. 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 Um. Ah, uh, Miss Smythe. Um. <clears throat> The maid. What I really love about her is how she's really quite. St- so I just double check her, n- her name there. Um, was it Miss Brill? Can I double check. Will it? <sighs> Sorry, I'm just doing this. Miss Smith's a character. We've got Miss Smith, of course, we've got another one. Got so many car- characters to mention about them all over the place. No, so I got those two mixed up. It's Miss Brill, who's the, who's the, uh, the maid. Miss Brill. Sorry, I had to double check that. Okay, back now. Okay, so it's Miss, 
this braille, um, <clears throat> the maid, so, so overworked, so often stressed out. Well, can you believe it with the behavior with of those two children? Um, you know, always has demands being put on her by Mr. and Mrs. Banks themselves. Like, whenever Mrs. Banks is trying to organize that social gathering, it's like, oh, I want the sandwiches to be fresh, they want, I want the ice to be made from, by scratch, I want the best meal to go on the cake, and when that's not what the case, we need that list. And the sandwiches need to be fresh. The need to be fresh. Like, oh, for the love of God, what is that? It's a tea party. Chill. Oh, I do have to fill Mrs. Brawl from time to time. Honestly. Um, now, I don't really mention her, her backstory or her family. Um, uh, but she did appear in the um, ori original books. Um, yes, yeah, so... No, but I did quite like her side, because she just snaps and turns out that it's brilliant, because I'm, I'm like, that's all I'm watching, they're children, oh, for the love of God, they're just literally, oh, they're not driving to insanity, I don't know, but yeah. Uh, and we have Robinson, I, so with those interactions are really, 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 really brilliant, because he literally just scares the hell out of her, but it's absolutely quite brilliant and quite funny. Um, yeah. Speaking of Robinson, I, we'll come to him next, he's the houseboy, um, he appears in the original books, but not the film. His background family, like Miss Brill, don't get mentioned. He is known as being a bit lazy and sleepy. Actually, actually, there is, actually, there is one word where he actually is lying down on the job, but I think it's because he gets knocked down unconscious. Um, no, there is one scene where he literally is lying down on the job, but <laughs> again, with those kids, can you blame them? <laughs> um. He's kind, very friendly, um, but he is often sort of the cause of the chaos and is not very helpful. Um, you know, like how when they're in the kitchen with Mrs. Brewer, it's not point, you know, she literally just literally just loses her temper with him. Cause, but <laughs> um, we have obviously the bird woman who makes her her appearance in the film, just you know, dressed in rags. Looks dissembled, sits on steps, obviously St. Paul's Cathedral in London every day, saying bags of crumbs below for tuppence. Um, and of course, that could be near the bank where the world works. Um, and of course, Jane and Michael do at one point later on meet her. Michael obviously fetches a bag. Um, and what I love, and also here's where Mary Pomsworth tells her children about not, you know, not to look down on her and respect her through the song as he feed the birds so that I quite some played um, right. okay let's move on to which is anyway that's like that one, one number another character so we can't really tell much, go much detail about that but another person is only their kind of one number is called Mrs. Corrie who is a magical woman who operates a magical pop-up shop where her customers are described as magical people, um, meaning off good conversation, difficult words. They're shopping you know, in the place in the park, and she's helped by Ozzy, her two daughters. Um, Mrs. Corrie is never mentioned um, in the in the in the film. Um, she's actually from the the books. Um, In the musical, she leads the chorus along with Mary and Bert in singing and spelling out uh, Super Calibration Hits by Socialist. Now, she's described as being you know, one of the uh, oldest women 
women in the world, although she doesn't look it. Um, she also gives out candy, assorted treats, um, and including gingerbread stars that have oh, gingerbread stars. No, I don't know. It's hello gingerbread men in gingerbread houses, but not gingerbread stars. I have to look those up. Um, and they say that have real stars from the sky on them that customers can then light and place in the sky. Um, oh, of course, the musical. She also mentioned that her that George did used to come in here all the time, uh, but. <laughs> oh, it's not explained how that is possible. Um, well, that Mrs. Curry is just one of those magical, magical people that you would love to have in your, in your fairy, in fairy tales. So literally, literally, just, literally just carefree, you know, very witty. So you would literally put anything to spell. Uh, she's quite brilliant. But she's only really deaf like that one number, that's it. So, mm, doesn't really get much of a chance to, um, to be like, does she? Um, right, we've, we've, we've kept it for long enough. Let's get to uh, Mrs. and Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Um, Miss Andrews, George's former nanny. Ooh. Complete. Now, she appears in the original books, not in the film. Complete polar opposite to Mary Poppins. And I feel quite like that. I love how she's complete opposite to what it is. But, oh my god, whenever she appears, it's like. <laughs> yeah, I can see why George is so afraid of it. No, their numbers, they are quite scary and creepy, like it's like a, like a, a haunted horror movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because of course she, she's very mean, very strict. Um, obviously it comes when obviously Mary goes and Winifred contacts her. Figure, love me some love, darling, love me surprise! No, no, not surprise, not surprise, not surprise! That classic stereotype of, of the, of the, um, in heterosexual couples, where the woman wants to try and please their husband, so I don't look surprised, darling! Not surprised, not surprised! I love how when she first shows up, even George just runs off the stage as soon as he can, quick as he can! <laughs> that, just that's how terrified she is, you know what I mean? Look at her, it's like. <laughs> and, um, I do not want to hurt why you want to try her remedy. No. No, she is a complete monster. Um, never, never married, never had any children of her own. God, thank that. Um, obviously, throughout Act 1, she's kind of men mentioned, uh, but doesn't appear until the second act, um, which features her song, Brimstone and Treacle. We'll pass on that one, thank you. Um, and has a, an, an owned, well, I say owned, it's more like cat, captivity. A uh, beloved pet bird, a lark, but... Uh, Mm. You're a complete scary woman. Oh my god. Uh, but it's funny because in the first act, obviously, when you can mention it, it's like, oh, come on, Dodge. You really, 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 really crap is that bad? And then act two, which appears like, okay, no, she is bad. I'll come after you only. They wouldn't need to get any from the stalls. But it's like one of those moments when you watch it for a telly and speak You just want to Tea! Coffee! Lemonade, anything? No, no, okay, fine, I'll stay in the seats then. Look, I'll ride it out. <laughs> uh, right, okay. Let's finish it off with the two um, main characters. So, Bert. Um, God, they've got to say maybe last. Now, Bert. In the, um, in the film, I did not really quite like Bert. Um, it, it, it was Dick Van Dyke's accent put me off. <laughs> Oh, God. 
Um, but also the film Father Frain or Frainy and just completely irritating. And like I said, they put all in small doses. Here in the musical, it's the complete opposite of that. For me, when I watch the musical, I felt this is like a complete opposite to the character. He's more wise. He's more. He's more charming. He's more charismatic. He's more, more, more caring. All those personalities that I thought in the film, no, they're not there. He's more. He's got. He's more wise man. Um, because he acts as our narrator of the story. Um. He's a very strong and dance man, so that's my kind of person. As I mentioned, Catamistic, Charming, Jack of all trades. Um, might even have some magical abilities himself. Um, <laughs> um, and of course, we know when they first meet Mary, but first meet, obviously, Mary mentions that. Um, he's no, uh, that, but known Mary before the story even began. Uh, we don't need to know any details about how that, just, yeah, we'll just go with it, we'll just roll with it. Um, and Bert spends time in the park and sits on one side of Cherry Tree Lane. He mentioned that he's seen Jay and Michael before, but it's not until Mary Poppins arrives that he um, interacts with them. What I love about Bert is he has got all these lot of moments where literally he just... Um, does an innovation, does it fall the Chim Chimari song. So that's quite lovely. We have a pop up now and then. Um, his number uh, in stepping time is quite free in tears of that. Um, yeah, but Bert for me is a completely different character to what he is in the musical. So I know he's gone. He's a completely different character to what he is in the film. And I just love that because it makes him all the more better uh, than what he was in the film. And finally, Mary Poppins. Well, she's exactly as she was in the film. Um, our main lead. <laughs> Her last day describes her behaviour because she tends to pop in and pop out a children's life whenever she pleases. And I mentioned our, our stairs until the winds change. We've got quite a bit to fly, fly, perform magic. Her trademark looks are dark hair, rosy cheeks, long coats, an umbrella, um, her hat with cherries. Then, um, I quite what I really love is how she's exactly as she is in in the film. Everything makes her psychotic in the in the film that we see it there in in the um, in the musical. And so yeah, so she's basically it's almost like she's been taken from the film, put into the musical. Really, she's exactly as she is from what. And of course, at the end where she she flies over, oh, that is absolutely amazing. Okay, so to round it off, that's my favourite character. Now to pick one, like I, like I said, remember when we we're discussing this, it's about. Um, when it comes to adaptations, it's discussing what they were in the musical we've seen, not in the original source material. So, like I said, said uh, my choice is completely different than what it would be if we're doing this on the film. But because we're not, we're doing it like the musical, then I can go ahead and say it. So, my favourite character from the musical is Bert. Well, my friends, we've got time for today. Thank you so much for joining us. And until next time, that's showtime. Goodbye. There's hardly no day, nor hardly no night. There's things half in shadows and half ways in light. On the rooftops of London. A sight. Oh, you're a sweep now, are you? Best view in the world, eh? And who gets to see it? 
the birds, the stars, and the chimney sweeps. Phew, nothing to beat it.